everyone, Sarah Brown Wessling here from the Council of Chief State School Officers National Teacher of the Year program. And I am so excited to announce the third season of Voices from the Classroom, the State Teacher of the Year podcast. CCSSO's National Teacher of the Year program provides a platform for exceptional educators to elevate issues that affect teachers and their students, to expand their leadership roles, and to inform policy and practice. In this season of the podcast, 2022 State Teachers of the Year will teach us about the lessons their students keep talking about. Maybe it's the one that they come back to years later and tell the teachers about. Or maybe it's the one their most recent students have asked for over and over again. This season, we are honored to have two past State Teachers of the Year conducting the interviews themselves. You'll hear Stacy McAdoo, 2019 Arkansas State Teacher of the Year, John Arthur, 2021 State Teacher of the Year, and me in conversation with our teachers throughout this season. I invite you to listen to these incredible stories. Welcome to the Voices from the Classroom podcast. I'm John Arthur, the 2021 Utah Teacher of the Year, and I am here today with Bill Stockton, the 2022 Montana State Teacher of the Year. Welcome, Bill. Hey, John. It's nice to be here. It's so good to have you, man. Would you please tell us all where you teach, what you teach, and why you love teaching? Yeah, as you mentioned, my name is Bill Stockton, and I'm the 2022 Montana Teacher of the Year. I'm a high school science teacher in R. Lee, Montana, which is on the southern point of the Flathead Reservation. Flathead Reservation is home to the Bitterroot Salish, Kootenai, and Ponderé people, um, and it's just north of the Missoula Valley in western Montana. Um, absolutely love teaching because I love to, to make connections with students, and every day in my classroom is a new opportunity for me to get to know my students, um, get to hear what, what they're doing in their everyday lives, and to just build that strong relationship and see them grow um, through through the years and, and goes on way beyond uh, the high school years. And it's just a, it's a very rewarding profession that um, every day I get something new and enjoyable out of doing. So I can't say uh, enough about how great those relationships really are and what they mean to me. I love it. Well, let's get right into it. Would you tell me about that lesson? You're talking about your students coming back and talking to you all those years later. What is that lesson that your students keep talking about? You know, I'm excited to learn from you. So please give me all the details about what you did and what your students did throughout the lesson. Yeah. So one of the, one of my favorite units that, uh, that I, that I used in my class is a unit that's based around a nonfiction book called Indian Creek Chronicles. Okay. Um, and that book is written by Pete Fromm. And so Pete was a student at the University of Montana in the late seventies uh, and he was asked by the Idaho Fishing Game to watch over some salmon eggs. And it's a story that's written um, in first person, his, his perspective. He'd never been in the mountains before, and he's going to go live up in the mountains and be this mountain man. Um, and so what, what happened was several years ago, I was teaching with the 2014 Montana Teacher of the Year, Anna East. And Anna and I came up with this idea of co-teaching a unit with our sophomores where we had biology students and English okay. reading this book. And then with that, we had a bunch of objectives that we wanted our students to be able to do. So in English, we're really focusing on that descriptive writing, the public speaking piece, Latin roots for, for science words. Um, in science, I was talking about animal classification, human impact of uh, humans on the environment, 
and wildlife management. And then we, we were able to take this book and do all these things in a co-teaching model where we were in each other's classrooms with all the sophomores. And for me, that was extremely valuable to, to learn from another experienced educator. And then also just to see how English and science really could co-mingle and live together in this, this great harmony. And so for me, that was really powerful. My students, I think, really saw that buy-in um, with how we were doing it together. And you always get those questions in your, your subject content, like, when am I ever going to use this? Why do I have to learn math and science? Why do I have to write in science? And so it really showed that all of the things that we're teaching in a school can, can come together and really be impactful for our students and really show them that interdisciplinary model and the co-teaching model. Um, so with that, we, uh, we kind of go through the book and we get to sit outside and write and learn about descriptive writing. We learn a lot about animals. And there's a great resource that I really draw from. Um, the Confederated Salish and Kootenai Tribes has created a resource called Explore the River. And in Explore the River, they talk about that traditional ecological knowledge that's been passed on for thousands of years that um, really talks about how they manage their wildlife, manage the river that flows through the reservation, and talks a lot about the importance, the cultural significance, really, of the fish that are in that area. And so we integrate that as well into the, into the unit. And then the, at the end of after we've read the book and kind of learned about uh, the fish in the area, the classification, how humans are impacting the area, we go to the Arley Fish Hatchery that is ran by the state of Montana. And we get a hands-on experience where we learn about the fish life cycle. We learn about how the fisheries are managing um, our waterways throughout the state. And then really they get to see a, another professional opportunity for science in the real world. And, and we've had Pete even, the author of the book, come into our classes and talk to the kids. So we bring in an, a professional writer. We've got scientists. Um, we get to go down to that hatchery. And one of the coolest parts about the hatchery is the fish actually get to take milk from the, the male fish. So they actually grab these three-year-old trout, squeeze out the milk. We use a hypodermic needle to remove the eggs from the female fish. The students then get to take the, the milk and the eggs, mix them together to actually fertilize the eggs. So they get to see that whole process of going from, you know, through the reproductive cycle. Um, in past years, we've had students actually do blood samples where they get a test to see the genetics. We have to send that off. Uh, to a lab, but they get to take the blood sample to see if the fish um, can reproduce. So it's it's really a pretty amazing experience for our students. The fact that they get to meet an author, they get to go to a fish hatchery, that that hands-on component that we talk about a lot. We bring in that that cultural piece that's really valuable to my students and they can see how the tribe has been doing this and why it's important culturally for them um, to try to preserve the the native fish in the area. And so for me, it, it really exemplifies kind of my core belief about lessons that all of our lessons that we're teaching in classrooms should be relevant. They should be current to what's going on in our students' everyday lives. They should be intertwined, meaning we're using all those different disciplines and subjects there. And really the students should be doing the heavy lifting. They should be kind of driving the coursework and driving the activity. You know, so I think for us, it made a lot of sense to implement this book with our resources. But if I was going to do this maybe in another area, I would find a book that that's relevant to my students there. I would find, you know, so a scientist that's doing research in my community 
that would be willing to share with my students and, and find those writings that, you know, that you could make it relevant to your students in your community. And for, for us in Montana, where wildlife is such an importance and for the indigenous population that I'm working with, it's so important to their everyday life that it just made a lot of sense for us to do this. And um, Anna has moved on. And so I've been doing this now with the, another English teacher that I work with, Jennifer Gillett, and she's absolutely amazing. And so the great thing about this is it's been able to now transcend, um, you know, a couple different staff members and now for several years, you know, and I just, it's been great. That's incredible, man. I have to, I have to wonder when you originally selected the book, right? Who were you picturing in your mind? Were you picturing a specific student? You're just overall student population. Like what was it that drove you to this kind of culturally relevant work? Yeah, that's a great question. I think when we first looked at the book, there had been an English teacher in a surrounding town that had talked about the book. And I think that's how it kind of got put on our radar. Um, and then when I read the book for the first time, I could really see a lot of my, especially my male students, um, they would always talk about, you know, going out and hunting and fishing and what they were doing on the weekends. And when we read this, you know, when I read this book, I was thinking, here's this gentleman that has no experience in doing any of these things that these kids are doing every single day. Right. So it's like they can't fully relate because they already know how to do these things. But this guy was willing to take that risk and go live in the mountains by himself for a whole winter without any experience. And I think for me, what it was is I wanted my students to, to read a book where they were looking at the perspective of, hey, I might not be able to do this right now, but if I try hard enough, I can make it work and figure it out. And basically you're taking this situation that seems like it could be very dangerous, but you're making the most out of it. And this guy learned so much from this experience and it, and it really propelled his, his writing career. And it's, it's fantastic. And when we first finished the book, on the back of it, it said he lived in a different city in Montana. So we just like reached out and said, Hey, would you be willing to zoom with our students? <laughs> and he's like, I actually live 20 miles away. I'll just show up. <laughs> and so we're hoping, yeah, we're hoping he'll come back. Um, but the book is fantastic and it, and it really does a good job of showing students how to write descriptively, really mm -hmm. think about uh, nature as, you know, a source of beauty. And, and like I said before, really allows us to dive into that human impact on the environment. And oftentimes after we do the fish hatchery, we'll have our students do a debate on whether they think humans should manage wildlife or if it should be something that's left untrammeled, which we talked mm. about with a lot of our, our natural areas. Um, and so, yeah, so I just, I think it, it does a lot to, to tie in all the things that I think are important um, with, with building lessons and units and, and, really brings it home to Montana and makes it seem, um, gives it that cultural relevance too, which I, I just think is extremely important for all of our, all of our students. That's amazing. Like it, I, I can't imagine that it's lost on you. The parallels between this author and you, you know, this is, this is like the most quintessential Montana lesson I could possibly imagine. And you, you base it, on this guy who took a risk and went out there into the wild, did something seemingly dangerous. And then here you are doing the same thing. And when we're talking about kids getting their hands dirty, your, your kids are literally squeezing. Yes. <laughs> these, these, wow. I don't even know like the technical term for it, but those eggs out of those fish, like this is crazy. Um, were you ever concerned 
as you were co-teaching or co-planning, you know, you're, you're putting yourself out there a lot, making yourself vulnerable when you're working with another teacher and you're, you're sharing responsibility for this lesson. Were you ever nervous? Yeah. I think the biggest thing with co-teaching is we're never really taught how to do it accurately or, or the right way in our teacher preparation programs. And I think it's a model that's extremely useful for building continuity among staff members. Um, we might have department meetings. We might co-teach within a department, but very rarely do we co-teach outside of our department. And so there definitely is a little bit of um, hesitation to start with. Anna was such an experienced educator when we first started doing this model that she really eased, eased me into it. And I felt a lot more comfortable working with her and with her expertise on it. And we just sat down together and kind of hashed out what we wanted each lesson to look like. There were a few lessons that she would do on her own and things I would do on my own. And then we talked very specifically about when to bring the groups together. Um, and so I think, yeah, at first there was definitely a little hesitation, but the, the benefit, especially in a small school, is that it really gets those students to think about how all the things we're teaching all intertwine with one another and how it's about this bigger holistic picture in the education system. And then it's not this isolated class and this isolated class which I think is often lost once we get to secondary. Right. Uh, I imagine your students, especially going to a small school in a, in a pretty, it sounds like tight community. This is one of those, those lessons that connects them to their community and to their history, to their, to their ancestors. And I'm just wondering, what do you think the biggest takeaway your students are walking away with? Yeah, I, for some of them, this is even though they've lived in Montana their whole lives, it's the first time that they've physically touched a fish. So I think for a lot of them, I've got to really like, you know, get them into it. Like you can do. This. <laughs> um, so I think, again, a lot of it comes like overcoming a little bit of their fears there is definitely one thing. But I think ultimately it gives them an opportunity to go to school and learn something that is relevant to them right now at this moment. As I mentioned before, a lot of our students are out there fishing quite frequently. They are out there hunting. And to then have a, a book in their classroom that talks about all these things that they do, they can instantly start picturing themselves in those situations. And then when we can tie in that cultural piece and show them the resources that the tribe has created to really explain the cultural significance of the, the native fish population, and then show them how the state of Montana is using this other fish population in order to help preserve the the native. So we've got, it's, it's an opportunity as well to teach my students about tribal sovereignty and about how the tribes have their mm. own wildlife management program and how they're working alongside the state of Montana as, as equals and often, you know, as separate governments and how they have this common goal of preserving the native bull trout population, for example, and why that's culturally similar. So I think, you know, really, I hope my students understand that piece of wildlife management and the importance that it has on, on preservation and how we have techniques and tactics that have been used for thousands of years that we can still use today. I know we've modernized a lot of things, but there's a lot of things that we can learn um, from traditional ecological knowledge that uh, the tribe is throwing out there for the students to, to hopefully grasp onto. I have had several students go on to be wildlife biologists. And I think wow. that, you know, I don't know if, if this is the, the reason or not, but I know several currently that are in college right now as well. I've had students go to work for the tribe 
um, and their wildlife department, a um, couple that are working at the bison range. So I think it, it just gives them that opportunity to see science as a profession, which is also super invaluable to see how you can have this cultural piece intertwined with the science and then to see how all of our, our classes are coming together. I, it, it just is a really fun time. It's fun to co-teach with someone. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I hope my students, you know, see that and they enjoy it as they're doing it. That's beautiful, man. I've got one last question I got to ask you because you just brought up your co-teacher again. You were eased into this work by a master teacher and now you have helped bring in another teacher and, and shown her how to do this kind of work. What have you learned about teaching, about, about how kids learn and about students through doing this project? Yeah, I think the big thing that I learned when I started was that teaching is a very, can be very isolating and that that's not the best way about going about our profession. So getting multiple perspectives into the classroom through master educators is obviously an ideal situation. Um, and then I think for my students, it really eases that question that we always get is like, why, like, when are we going to use this? This isn't relevant to me. And it allows them to see that all the things that we're doing again in those classes really is relevant to them. And um, for me, it goes back to that idea that we want to make sure our lessons are current and relevant and interdisciplinary and really that the students are doing the heavy lifting and not the t- teacher. I, I so often think of uh, the teacher that, that fills that extra burnout. And a lot of that burnout comes from making all the decisions every day throughout your day. And if mm-hmm. we have that ownership start to be placed on the students, they also are going to learn a lot more um, in that process. And so I think, you know, really for me, it was learning that co-teaching is a, is a, is a great model. And I've had some success since then with um, cooperating, like being a cooperating teacher for teacher candidates and I think that that's been a valuable lesson for me instead of doing the, the traditional model that was used many, many years ago, where you kind of let the student teacher, the teacher candidate um, just kind of have free reign in the classroom. I've taken the approach of doing entirely co-teaching where both teachers are leading the discussions, leading the classroom. And it's just it, it's made education feel way less isolating as a professional and really has allowed me to grow in, in my craft and, and continue to think about ways that I can do better for my students. Wow. 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 Bill Stockton, the master teacher from Montana. I can't thank you enough for taking the time to share this amazing example from your practices. I know it's going to be useful to others. Thank you so much for joining us here. Yeah. Thank you, John. This has been great. Thank you for listening to the latest series of Voices from the Classroom, the State Teacher of the Year podcast. Let's keep the conversation going. Please share these lessons on social media with the hashtag NTOY22. That's hashtag N-T-O-Y-2-2. You can also catch up on the last two seasons on our website at ntoy.ccsso.org. While you're there, you can also learn more about and find ways to support all of our efforts to elevate teacher voice through the National Teacher of the Year program. Until next time.